Hi, I'm Justin Wink, PhD, and you're listening to the Engineering Emotions and Energy Podcast. Are you ready to bust burnout, pursue your passion, have more time, money, energy, and relationships you actually love, including the relationship with yourself? If so, then this podcast is for you. I'm a best-selling author, coach, consultant, speaker, and a leader in transforming people's lives from living in fear, obligation, and guilt to living a life of joy, ease, and love. What's most important is that I can teach you all this in a way that's enjoyable, easy, fast, and can actually last. Let's begin. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, relating relationships. It is... uh, the the holiday season has come to a close and maybe uh you've had some challenges with it, your your relationships romantic or otherwise and valentine's day will be coming up so it might be you're looking towards uh maybe having that valentine or maybe you have somebody and you're on the hook i always uh there's a comedian that like to say that uh when you're in a relationship, Valentine's Day is a bit like getting pulled over by the police. The the best case that happens is nothing. You just get to go along with your life as if nothing ever happened, but the consequences could be dire. You could get, end up in relationship jail. Um, and there's like just it's just downside. So there's Valentine's Day is an interesting holiday, but it still is a good time to prep to talk about relationships. And so knowing how you relate with other people. And then maybe having an eye of how you they relate with you so that you can figure out that's what we're going to be talking about. And I'm saying we because have a really amazing, fantastic guest. Uh, her name is Maya Diamond. She's an expert dating, relationship, and intimacy coach known for helping people become more secure, deepen their self-love, and find a healthy, loving, and lasting relationship. Maya is a trained psychotherapist and holds a master's degree in somatic psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies. She's created the Rewire for Love program, which is a four-month intensive program that helps people shift their destructive patterns. I mean, let's 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 get real. It's a lot of people. It's you know, it's like, oh, this is not actually a healthy thing. Um, but she helps people get out of those old patterns and get into love and have a healthy relationship. So for three years in a row, Maya has been named one of the best coaches in San Francisco by Expertise.com. She's also named one of the best relationship experts in California by DatingAdvice.com. Maya's dating advice has been featured in MindBody, Green.com, WikiHow, and ElephantJournal.com. She's shared her message on the, the TEDx stage with a talk titled, The Surprising Key to Building a Healthy Relationship That Lasts. And she has a podcast that I definitely encourage you to check out. It's called Rewire Your Attachment Style where she interviews couples, she does solo shows, and she'll also bring on experts. And you can find it just about on every podcast platform. Uh, You can also find uh, more about Maya, and this will all be in the show notes, uh, empowerlove.us slash love. Welcome to the show, Maya. Hey, so good to see you. Yay, good to see you too. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's probably lots of ways. I know one thing that we talked about um, of possibly looking at, you know, uh, relating and maybe getting a little bit from the we'll go with the, the destructive patterns to maybe more healthy is uh, is attachment styles. And I I pulled out my where I learned about it is this this book called Polysecure, uh, which uh, is for people that want to operate in consensual non-monogamy or polyamory. Yet I think it's just good for anybody that wants to relate with anyone. Cause even if you're in a monogamous committed relationship, 
you still relate with other people <laughs> and this can help you navigate even with all the non-sexual stuff because actually most stuff is well i'll say non-physical sexual stuff because there yes. ends up being sexuality that has to do with non-physical like making the googie eyes and the emotional attachment eroticism and- right we are we're erotic beings and so just moving through the world we are carrying our erotic energy and so yeah, I agree. I think that's kind of a bit of a shadow of monogamous culture is there's not a ton of talk or a ton of literature around like all those things, all the the gray areas of like dancing with other people, talking with other people, flirting with other people, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so that can definitely come up in monogamous relationships. Like what are people's boundaries and and how important it is to have conversations around that. Yeah, because uh, I, I had a, a couple friends uh, back when I was in the living in the Sacramento area. Uh, you know, one guy, this, this guy was married and he was in a very unhappy marriage and he liked to go out and mm-hmm. drink and party. And it was another friend of mine. She was single and she was like also like to go out and and. They would, you know, go out, drink and be very emotionally connected. And I think even a couple of times he would like spend the night, you know, at her place because it's like he couldn't drive home type of a thing. Yet he'd always right. be like, you know, right. I've spent the night on the floor or on the couch. Um, yeah. But I think I can't remember if he eventually, eventually his wife did find out some of these things, yeah. but he was just like, well, I never touched her. So it's OK, but it was not OK right. when she found out that like he spent the night. <laughs> And she like went bananas on social media and was like, oh, this woman's a slut and this oh, and all wow. this other stuff like that. And oh, um, yeah. And there's a little bit of like, well, yeah, what the fuck do you think's going to have? Like, you know, like maybe you should have <laughs> talk about some stuff with your wife and maybe not be at it. I think they eventually worked yeah. it out, but it was, there was, there was a lot of Which drama. Which is why, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And so I don't know. Do we want to like yeah. maybe, use that as a way to talk about some attachment styles or where do you want to go with that? I was going to say that reminds me of, um, you know, one of the concepts of secure attachment that Stan Tatkin, one of the, you know, leaders in in the world of attachment talks about, which is kind of the couple bubble, Mm. which is kind of, okay, we protect each other and we protect the relationship. And so it's like, okay, what are the things that we do to protect each other and protect the relationship and to protect this couple bubble of each other. And that would be for him. It's like having, he wasn't having the right conversations. How does this make you feel when I do this? Like, what is, you know, what are your boundaries? What, what would make you feel safe? What would make me feel safe in this? Right. And so there was a way that it sounds like he was going. The other thing with the couple bubble is like, you know, prioritizing the emotional connection of the partner of your partner. Like that's your number one emotional connection. And obviously having emotional mental connection with other friends is really, really healthy and really, really important. I believe to have a secure society, I think community is an essential ingredient in a happy life. And all the research says that. And, um, yeah, making sure that there's, you know, you're really prioritized. I think one of the big things that the secure attachment kind of field has really helped everyone understand is that 
that prioritization. Like you're, I'm important to you. We're, we're equally, your needs and my needs are equally important. And so we're prioritizing both in a secure relationship. And obviously in order to do that, we have to have conversations and understand each other and, you know, all of that. And I think it's really cool because the polyamorous world I think has influenced, can really positively influence the monogamy world and the monogamy world can positively influence the polyamory world. So there's a lot of, you know, contention between the two, but there's actually a lot of, a lot that, you know, people can learn from each other. And I think from, you know, the, I really love how in polyamory, um, agreements are very something that is talked about and, well, in my opinion, probably could be talked about more, but, um, but agreements are really, um, you know, something that also in kink, it's like in the world of kink, it's like creating agreements, creating containers, all of that. And that can be so helpful also just for a relationship in general. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because I think there's a little bit of, um, it's whenever there's something that people believe is like the, the, the standard uh, the quote unquote standard, uh, then that's like, well, we all know what we're talking about. So we don't have to talk about it. And it's like, well, what, uh, I was recently talking to uh, the implicit agreements. I was, right? I was exactly. recently talking to yeah. a friend about this, um, night, like this, uh, Kevin Smith movie from 1996 called chasing Amy, where Ben Affleck mm. stars and he falls in love with a lesbian. And so, um, and then, so there's, oh. a, they have like this discussion about virginity and he's like, you know, well, you know, it only can't, you only lose your virginity if you do sex the standard way. And and she's like, "What are you talking about? Like, get out of here! I'm going to pretend you didn't even say that." Um, nice. But it ends up, yeah. you know, that brings up a whole lot of like, well, wow, what is the definition of this? And like, yeah, the, when you talk about the relationship bubble, and and you know, typical monogamy, it's there's everyone kind of thinks has an assumption of what that means or looks like, and exactly. but it's like that when it comes to you know down on the ground it's like what does that actually feel like look like sound like and you know and i'm thinking of the story i started with it's like he was protecting the illusion of that relationship bubble of like well yeah. oh as long as i don't physically touch you know in a, in a way right. then like all this other stuff is okay and it's like well clearly it was not okay to the to the wife <laughs> Right. Exactly. And so it's like, well, what totally. is, what is the, what actually is the relationship bubble that uh, is wanting mm-hmm. to be protected, I guess is. Um, exactly. And that's, even when you kind of like know that it's like easier to say than to like actually practice that and have like the conversations of like, um, well, yeah, what can I do or what can't I do? Cause it's like, oh, well, what if somebody wants to do something that I'd, I, I have a feeling of like, wait, they, they want to talk to somebody of the opposite sex or the, or the same sex. And like, how am I going to feel about that? And like, am I going to yeah. want to like, just not even talk about it? Or am I going to be like, well, now I better like really make them happy. Um, right. And so this is where, you know, one of the biggest things that I teach is how to communicate your needs and desires and boundaries and feelings in relationship. I find that so many people who have like destructive patterns in love, which could be like, say, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of name some of the most common ones that I work with, which is one, 
being chronically attracted to unavailable people. So constantly choosing, attracting, desiring the most unavailable person in the room, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you, another common destructive pattern is um, choosing and being attracted to narcissists, people who can't see you, who don't, aren't able to empathize with you, who aren't able to validate your experience. Um, Another common destructive pattern could be you're the one who is emotionally unavailable and you can't actually commit and you can't actually open your heart in love. And so you just can't actually get into, I guess it's not really destructive. It's more just, you can't actually settle into a relationship because you are more avoidant in love and it's hard for you to really trust and rely and be co-regulated with another person. And so there's a constant part of you that's wanting to leave and not be fully in a relationship. And so um, in these different patterns, it's very common that one of the biggest root causes that I see is a lack of being able to actually just communicate. It's so, so important. And I think we're not taught it in school we're not taught it in our families. We're taught a particular code of communication in families, but it's usually not a very healthy one. Mm-hmm. And so people are just then thrown out into relationships, not actually understanding how to communicate effectively. Yeah. Like there wasn't a good model and then there was no other education. Yes. And then it's just like, go, <laughs> go do the relationship thing and yeah. Do do the things. Be an adult lover and parent and all this. Try stuff your best. And good, and, See what happens. Yeah. Here's here's some medication. <laughs> Feeling overwhelmed by the daily grind? Imagine if you could pause, reset, and truly connect with a calmer, more fulfilled you. It's not just a dream. It's absolutely possible. Hi. I'm Justin, and I invite you to discover the life-changing techniques in my book, Engineered to Love. Right now, I'm offering a free chapter complete with guided audios that have already helped so many people find peace amidst the chaos. These aren't just any techniques. They're transformative practices designed to help you love yourself and engage deeply with the present moment without even having to close your eyes to the world around you. So join us at engineertolove.com slash sample and access your free guided session. It's time to bust the busyness and embrace the joy, ease, and love in your everyday life. Don't wait. Start your journey to a more relaxed and recharged you today because you deserve to live a life you love. Visit engineertolove.com slash sample. See you there. Yeah. And then, you know, and then with my couples that I work with, because I also do couples coaching that, that kind of that destructive patterns of communication, like maybe both people really love each other and both people really want the relationship to work, but because they're not communicating in an effective way, it actually creates more disruption, more disconnection, more, um, you know, even hatred in the relationship. And so um, it just is such a big piece that is so cliche, like 
but is so important this piece of communication and really being able to speak your vulnerable truth. I would say the vulnerable um, feelings is something, especially that men have been, you know, especially in the generations of 40 to 60, if you grew up in that range, then you basically were taught that are a lot, there's been so much conditioning around not owning the feelings, not connecting with the feelings, not, not expressing the feelings, not being able to process the feelings. And so there's a lot of emotional constipation that's happening. And then that plays out in all these unconscious ways in relationships. Oh yeah. There's definitely a part of like, some people just have like no awareness uh, or they're, they're not allowed or like, I'm, I'm thinking of like my, my dad who, um, I think he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's in his seventies, but, uh, you know, he was taught at a young age, boys don't cry. And, yeah. um, you know, there's, there, there were times where I'm like, Hey dad, are you okay? You seem like very upset, you know, and he's like, and he's, <laughs> he's like that upset. Like he's physically shaking and like, <laughs> like you know, and his voice is tense. He's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm And I'm like, at one point I finally got that, like, I think he actually believes like that's his level is like, he has no idea that right. his awareness <laughs> and consciousness yeah. is blocking out yeah. the truth of his of yeah. emotional and physical experience. Yeah. And me like yeah. reflecting that, Hey, it seems like that, that now that's actually bothering. <laughs> that's frustrating. <laughs> now he's yes. like, now I have something to be angry about you bothering me with this. Exactly. Um, and Well, yeah, that happened. Yeah. That's I've had that in a relationship where I think when someone is more empathic, they're going to feel the feelings of the other person. Yeah. And then when the other, then when you reflect it back and there's like no like they're like no I'm fine it's like oh wow like the shared experience is so different it it can be really hard oh yeah 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 and that's where I learned my empathy yeah. superpower and also the confusion and challenge of relating uh, which has yeah. been the growth journey and you know why I end up reading books like Poly Secure and learning attachment styles and uh, yeah let's maybe let's the do you want to do the, the quick overview yeah. of what the four quadrants are? Yes. Because uh, then I think yes. I kind of have I, like a question came up I had like about it and maybe it's a little bit related to narcissists cool. or I don't know. But yeah. So cool. people re- really curious your take on the, because uh, I thought I remembered it a certain way and then I like opened the book up and looked and I'm like, oh, it's actually like this, the labels are different than I remember. And it's probably, I don't know, but yes. Yeah. Let's hear from the expert. Okay. So let's start with anxious. So with anxious attachment, you have um, preoccupation with relationship. You really want closeness and there's a deep fear of abandonment. And that deep fear of abandonment drives a lot of the anxious attachment behaviors, like kind of self-abandoning in relationship, not fully speaking your truth, not owning um, your experience because you're afraid that the other person's going to leave, not owning your boundaries because or speaking your boundaries because you're afraid the other person is going to leave. So with the anxious attachment, um, I noticed that there's a lot of like knowing kind of how you feel and what you want, but not saying it. Right. And so because of that deep fear of abandonment. And so I like to talk about causation as well with these four. And so the causation the root cause of anxious attachment is usually some kind of either loss in childhood or maybe unavailability of the parents. Like maybe your dad was really unavailable and shut down Mm -hmm. 
or maybe your mom was working all the time, or a lot of also anxious attachment is caused by inconsistent caregiving from a parent. So maybe your mom was there, but then she wasn't there, there, she wasn't Mm -hmm. there. And so you kind of, your system goes into hyper arousal. And this isn't the fun kind of arousal. This isn't like, oh yeah. Yeah, this is not erotic. Yeah, baby. (laughs) This is not erotic arousal. This is exactly (laughs) nervous system arousal, hyper arousal. So you're constantly kind of on high alert. When is the love going to come? I better be ready for it. So I'm constantly on high alert. And so that's why um, nervous system regulation is so important in terms of healing anxious attachment. Um, so then we'll go to the avoidance. Yes, so anxious yes. are actually so no. I'd rather commonly... not. I don't want to go there. Like, can we do? Can we talk about anything else? <laughs> so anxious people are very commonly attracted to avoidant attachment. Why is this? Because it's the opposite attachment style. So avoidance are incredibly good at self-reliance, incredibly good at um, independence. Yeah. They, a lot of times are very successful in their field because they can work really well on their own. Um, And what happened in childhood with the avoidance is their source of love was not there. There was a lot of neglect or lack of emotional attunement And so therefore they learn to just disconnect and just self kind of auto-regulate like, oh, I can't rely on others. I can't trust the world. So I need to just trust myself and kind of shut down and be in hypo arousal. So hypo arousal of the nervous system is like this low grade kind of shutdown energy. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this always, that's why like um, I'll personally share that I uh, feel very calm and safe with avoidance mm-hmm. because they're so chill because there's not a lot of emotional expression happening. Yeah. They're just so darn chill and regu- like they feel so regulated, but really what it is, yeah. is there's a disconnection from their own feelings and needs. Yeah. And so that disconnection, that shutdown, um, it creates a way that, I think something that's really hard in relationships with avoidance is they, um, they have a hard, because they have a hard time, like, well, they have a hard time acknowledging their own feelings and needs, and then they have a hard time acknowledging and prioritizing your feelings. Yeah. And so they're they're kind of, they're there and also like not there. They're kind of like an extra or a non-player character. And sometimes, yeah, it's kind of like one of those where it's like, (laughs) oh, it's so close to having a, a human but not and so that's great, why for the anxious yeah. attached type where it's like, it's like, oh, why won't you love me? And it's like, all the right. Cause I've I've found yes. that people can only totally do for others what they can do for themselves. And so it's like, well, if they can't, you know, recognize their own emotions and love themselves, and it's like, sure yeah. as fuck aren't gonna be able to do it for you, me, or anybody else in the world. And it's not, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. Exactly. It's like when you live with an avoidant, it's almost like they're there exactly they're physically there but they're not actually going to be as emotionally present as you need if you are more on the anxious side or even more on the secure side um it can be really hard to be with some unavoidant attachment person who hasn't worked on their own avoidant attachment because that's the beauty 
is because of neuroplasticity and because of emotional trauma healing work, we can actually heal and become more secure. And that's really what I focus on in my work with my clients. Okay. So the next one is disorganized. So disorganized or fearful avoidant, whichever Mm -hmm. one you like to call. Um, Or I heard a new term, which is called hybrid, which has zero charge, zero negative charge at all. So feel free to take that one on if that feels great. I, I want that negative that like Right. I like you know, the most fucked up quadrant in the in the four square. That's yeah. Right. So everyone can feel a lot of shame if they have it, right? So in Ket, instead we can use the word hybrid. Okay. So hybrid is a combination of anxious and avoidant kind of combined at the same time. So you I love really talking about the root cause, which is because it really helps understand it and have compassion on a deep level, which is your primary caregivers or your parents were both a source of love and a source of panic and fear. Mm -hmm. And so that could mean sexual abuse. That could mean physical, emotional abuse. It could mean conflict or chaos in the family. Mm -hmm. It could mean a lot of moving around. Um, So there was some chaotic environment that you grew up in. And that can be quite confusing to the child to have a parent be loving on the one hand, but then also abusing and, um, you know, invading boundaries, emotional, energetic boundaries with the emotional or the physical abuse, or even watching one parent abuse the other parent. It's also still that chaos and that confusion of wow, how, you know, love is not safe for me. Love is not safe if you have that growing up. So that is exactly a big thing to heal. Mm -hmm. And it is possible to become more secure um, and to work through those disparate parts that both want love on the one hand, but also are very afraid of it on the other hand. And so the way that one shows up is it's you can kind of have the traits of both the avoidant and the the anxious attached, right? And it just sort exactly. of like depends on exactly. the situation, who you're with. Yes. And that's, this is the yes. one that I most... And triggers, like when you get triggered, mm-hmm. you might go more into avoidant because like, um, like one relationship I was in, there would be a lot of close uh, physical intimacy and that would actually create the then the avoidant to come out because it was so much like intensity of the physical intimacy yeah so um then it would feel very jarring for me because i felt like oh like wait we were so close and now there's like all this distance so um or or it can show up i would say i want to kind of the the disorganized can show up what i've noticed is it can show up if you're acting it out Mm -hmm. So I think this is a really important distinction with all the attachment Mm -hmm. styles that I've found is so helpful for my clients, which is you can have the feeling of like, I want to fucking get out of here, run for the hills. Like I am way too close to this person. And then you can not act on the feeling or you can act on it. Yeah. So it might be like, wow, I really want to push this person away and say mean things. Oh, wow. That's that part of me that's disorganized. That's like, ooh, that would feel so good. Or I can just like breathe through this and like self-regulate and let myself resource and nurture this part of me that's really, really scared right now. 
And so that is one of the biggest distinctions between being anxious, avoidant, or disorganized and being secure is actually regulating, is having the awareness to not do the behavior and instead, you know, regulate and do the secure move instead. And so that takes a lot of work, a lot of consciousness, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of healing, but it's totally possible. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important to say is it I think it's, there's sometimes this illusion that like, oh, it'll go away and I'll never have the feeling or the urge or the whatever. Like, yeah. like yes, it's like we have the neuroplasticity, but we also have like the 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 neurological the default grooves patterns. that's like yeah. it's always yeah. available. It's just like, yeah, we can then start choosing more often like other other patterns. And the other pathways, yeah, exactly. and the, the disorganized is it disorganized? The yeah, yeah. that's that Hybrid. was definitely my yeah. my quadrant. Uh, is yeah, okay. yeah, and so I'm like, oh, I could do all uh-huh. the things, and so a lot of things you said of like yeah. growing up, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, I think I like checked like half of those. <laughs> Things like, yeah, we moved around a lot. Yeah, I saw some shit between my parents. And then it was like, they said they loved me, but then why would they, you know, ignore me? And it was just a lot of, Mm, um, yeah. And so it's been like a good amount of work to get more into that, like secure, which, um, yeah, maybe yeah. I want to describe like what are some of the traits or yes. the uh yeah, are, the so gold are there, are there... standard of attachment, secure attachment. Yeah, and then yes. you know, are there actually these humans that like they just they show up in this? Like is it like a unicorn? Does it really exist or Yeah, that's so funny that you say that because it was literally just the other night someone was saying that they actually didn't think anyone was secure and I had to <laughs> I I let them know because I think it's important to know that there are really people mm-hmm. who are, you know, like mostly secure because I do people's attachment quizzes and I see I'll, you know, rarely have a client that comes in that's like 85% secure. That is pretty secure. Yeah. And those people, exactly. They had the good enough parenting. Both parents were emotionally available. Both parents were there for them when they needed them. Both parents had their back. Both parents were attuned at least 50% of the time. And so um, then they're able, like the thing that's so cool, I think about the secure attachment is, and they talk about this in, in the attached book, which is like the threat response is so much lower. So they just have such a more abiding sense of trust and peace and calm in their system. Yeah. And this is why people, I was thinking about something this morning that I think is so fascinating, which is, which is, I really think all the movies about love condition us to go for excitement. Mm -hmm. Like we should be choosing the most exciting person, most exciting connection. But if you're actually wanting secure attachment, then the choice might be the most calm, safe, regulated, like person who has your back, which not might not be as exciting. And so in so the secure, so just so everyone knows, yeah, this person who's mostly secure, they're gonna be chill, they're gonna be calm. They might not be there, there's not the highs and the lows, there's not the drama. And so this can be unnerving, actually, for people who are used to the highs and lows. Yeah, It can be confronting. It actually might not make you feel calm at first. You might feel 
like a wild horse that's like can't like be regulated because you're like wait this is like weird and so like might want to push away from the secure person because it's so strange yeah uh, i i was uh yeah like it's more it's it's strange because it's like um it's not necessarily that they're not maybe not exciting they're just exciting possibly in a completely different way that's out of like the realm. It's like the, there's not that drama. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Like I actually, yes. this, this past weekend I went to a, a party and um, I was, uh-huh. work, I have a coach that I work with and she was like, go and see if you can actually meet and talk to some healthy couples that like actually have a healthy way of relating. They might be kind of boring to you, but like try to get like that flavor of energy and just see what it's yeah. like. And so I was like, I'm like, Okay, let me actually go and try and talk to which to me is like this seems like weird. Like, why am I going to try to talk to couple? But I'm just but I like made an effort. I actually talked to like a few couples, and there was like this one couple That's awesome that they're just like, yeah, we've been together like a few years. You know, after a month, it was just like this is the person, and like we just we're just always open to like whatever the other person and exploring, and you know, it's like there nice. wasn't that. I'm like, there's not that tension of okay, what's the other person doing, and is that okay with me? Um, yeah. so they were, I'm like, oh, there's just not that drama of like the usual couples or, you know, weird pairings that I was used to usually being around where it's like, oh, this is my, my flavor of this is how couples relate is like, one's worried that the other's going to do something. And they're like, you got to be conforming yeah. to me so that you, you know, reinforce the bubble mm. that I want us to have, not the mm. one that we agreed on ever. We never talked about mm. it. And it was just like, mm. oh, they're. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like that's they were very different than what I was used to seeing yeah, and operating nice. as. And I'm like, ooh, okay. Uh yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, cool. these people do exist. And oh, I want to be one of these people. Like <laughs> Yay. Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons that I um when I first conceived of my podcast, that was the one of the main things I wanted to do was bring on secure functioning, healthy, conscious. evolutionary couples that are, you know, secure and also in a growth mindset. And so if anyone is listening and wants, because sometimes you don't have people in your community Mm -hmm. who are around you close by that you can talk to, I highly recommend going through and listening to the couple interviews in my podcast because, and for you, because they're just exactly, it's like the vibration. There's a vibration of like trust and also growth and also peace and also like erotic connection, right? Everyone wants the emotional connection. That's all the research says. The most healthy, secure, happy couples have a really, it's, it's based on the emotional connection. But then I would argue also, which I think is left out in the attachment literature, which frustrates me, which is, that the erotic connection is equally as important and is truly something that you want to keep cultivating, keep growing and, you know, keep putting your attention on just like the emotional connection and they're all interconnected. That's the other thing that's ridiculously true. Yeah. Well, but they're also separate. Yeah. I think that's, is it they, they can be, and maybe for most people that, but they don't necessarily have to be, and yes, and so exactly. I think sometimes that can end up being a point of cont- where there again it's sort of like the having the conversation is like there's the assumption of like um uh of like well if 
if I, there's like emotional love, then all this other shit has to come with it, you know, of the physical, it's the physical gonna, eroticism yeah. and maybe even like the living together. And it's like, well, but maybe this is just like a really good buddy. Um, but then there's none of that like erotic flavor and charge. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, I, I yeah. find funny is um, uh, if I've, I've learned that for most people, if like, I really want to like freak some freak somebody out, I could just tell them I love them. They're like, cause it, cause it's like, there's so much baggage attached to that. Like, I love you that it's like, oh my gosh, that means this person wants to move in. They want to be my only sexual. That, like marry mar- me. Right? Totally, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, it doesn't well, have to mean I, all what that. What I found is everyone has their own meaning to it. Yeah. Like I've gotten in the habit of like talking about it before saying it because oh yeah, I think everyone has their own meaning to what I love you means. And so it's like kind of really important to share about that first before, but okay. I want to share just real quick, just talking about the erotic piece, yes. being an erotic blueprint coach. And just for anyone who's listening, the erotic blueprints are the kind of similar to the attachment styles, but the the way we're wired around our erotic, it's our map, our erotic map inside of our body, our blueprint of eroticism inside of our body. And so I love the erotic blueprints because they actually explain what um, that piece of like, you could have an amazing emotional connection, feel really loving and safe and connected and communicative. But if your erotic blueprints are vastly different, then you're speaking a different language in the bedroom and it's going to be really hard to connect. Yeah. And because I, and so that can help people so much learning about their brilliant. Yeah, because there might be a lot blueprints. of people listening, you know, now going like erotic, you guys are just talking about fucking, right? Like just, you know, putting, putting, putting something into a hole, putting a thing into a hole. Um, and it's like, maybe, but also not necessarily. And this is where the erotic blueprint, I think really comes mm-hmm. in handy of totally. like, it can be that, but then also it doesn't have to be that there's like these dimensions that might have nothing to do with, with objects going into holes whatsoever. Uh, totally. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you want to give the rundown yes. on? Uh, so, yeah. I'll do a quickie, which is energetic blueprint. Always love to start with energetic. They're the, the least likely to blueprints. want to do a quickie, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're the least likely to do because they love um, presence, emotional connection, tease, anticipation. They're really uh, usually have a really subtle touch. So their touch, they can feel different layers of energy and they love a lot of times they love tantra or they can have an orgasm just from looking at someone mm-hmm. or um just feel orgasmic energy throughout their entire body and so this is an amazing for anyone who isn't high in energetic blueprint this is an amazing blueprint to really open up and expand into and so it's quite common that one partner is high and just so everyone knows Similar to anxious avoidant, it's quite common that one person in a partnership, especially a marriage or long-term relationship, will find this very common. One person is energetic and one person is high in sexual blueprint. And the sexual blueprint, as opposed to the energetic blueprint, is turned on by, um, yeah, sex, penetration, orgasm, very direct, very 
like can go from zero to a yeah. hundred very quickly in terms of their arousal. Some nipples and dicks. Let's go. All right. Doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. What they're attached to. Love like, certainty and frequency of yeah. sex. So it's almost on an opposite end to the energetic. So of course, opposites attract. And the other thing that attracts is what we need to learn from the other. Mm -hmm. So of course, the sexuals attract to the energetic because if they learn the energetic, then they're just like so much more whole. But and the, if the energetic kind of expands into the sexual, then they're even more whole as well. And so but the problem is it can create a lot of disconnection when you don't expand into each other's blueprints, you don't understand each other's blueprints, and then it creates this conflict. Yeah. Okay, going back to the other blueprints, did you have anything to no, say? No, I'm, okay. I'm, ri I'm, riding the, I'm riding the ride. I'm riding a pile the of garbage. Of I'm being... <laughs> Being a sexual, like I don't care when or where. Let's just do it. Let's just keep going. Let's oh, just keep okay. going. <laughs> let's get to get, get get to the end. Okay, let's. Okay, no, so no, then just, let's go to the kinky blueprint because we going. just okay. seem a little bit. Yeah. So um, the kinky blueprint is turned on by taboo. There's psychological kink and sensual kink. The psychological kink might be, yeah, turned on by power dynamics, dominance and submission. Sensual, sensual kink is more about flogging or rope tie or hair pulling, slapping, things like that, scratching. Um, and the, the kinky blueprint is very creative and, yeah, very turned on by taboo. And it can be kind of there can be shame associated with the kinky mm -hmm. blueprint because it's a little bit underground in our society. So it's not that like common that people in normal day society just talk about being kinky or what their kinks are. And so there's a lot of shadow there. Mm -hmm. And so some people don't really know a lot of people. I didn't know that I was kinky until I became an erotic blueprint coach. Mm -hmm. And I started do, I did my erotic blueprint quiz online and I noticed that kinky was the lowest blueprint in my stack. Mm. And so I was like, oh, I need to shift that. <laughs> I need to explore right. what that is. I need to expand into it because that's the kind of person I am. I want to be like as whole and as like, well, that's really kind of the shapeshifter part of me, I think. But we'll go into that in a second. So anyway, so then I, I discovered through trying out the kinky blueprint that I was incredibly kinky and I had no idea. And that was like literally finding a whole new side of my personality that I had never discovered. And so that's one of the coolest things about the blueprints, erotic blueprints is it can show you places to explore and expand into. Yeah. Cause it's like the, the, the kinky, like you said, is taboo. And so that really almost has to do with what's taboo for, for you, not necessarily. Yes. And so if like you came from exactly. like a really repressed background, it might just be like, I'd really like, what about doggy style? Like, I don't know. Is that, cool? yeah. is that, <laughs> that seems very wrong, you know? And, and that might be the start of like a big part of like, you know, the, the kinky part of you, they could expand into more yes. stuff, but maybe it doesn't even have to, but maybe it's just like, maybe it's like, just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, a new position. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do encourage anyone who's kind of like, the other thing is um, I had a judgment that kinky people were only people who had sexual trauma and sexual abuse mm. and who were trying to master their trauma. 
And so I learned through my erotic blueprint training that that's not necessarily true, that you can be kinky without having any sexual trauma in your history. And I also discovered that as any human growing up as a child with parents, there's going to be like kind of a power over, like there's going to be authority stuff, which is you get to play with, with dominance and submission. And so most humans have kind of a, a joy in playing with authority stuff because they experienced authority stuff growing up because you had a parent telling you what to do all the time. So you might really want to like be in that dominant role, or you might want to be in the submissive role and just let go and really go deeper into that role of being told what to do. Yeah. It's like, we all have these parts. Cause sometimes it's like, yeah, we do want to like, I want to be in charge. And then other times it's like, I, I just want to chill out and just t- tell me what to do. Yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> so that leads us to the shapeshifter. So the shapeshifter is turned on by all the different blueprints, sensual, which we'll talk about in a moment, sexual, energetic, kinky, and they like to have, um, experiences they like a lot of stimulation so they like to have sexual experiences where all of the blueprints are being touched or sometimes they they're shapeshifter so they change so one night it might be kinky one night it might be energetic one night it might be all of them and so if you have a partner who's a shapeshifter they're really gonna they're they have kind of a big appetite for sexuality and they also have a big appetite for having these different blueprints being touched upon. And so it's really important to, to help them be fed in their different blueprints. I would say that's going to really make the happiest partner because if a shapeshifter is only being fed in one or two blueprints, it's going to cause some lack of, um, erotic, full erotic, um, satisfaction, I would say. Yeah. And it's, and it really is one of the sort of like the the more you can satisfy the other person's, then they're going to be that much more excited to satisfy your stuff. And it ends up being a, a cycle of yumminess, right? Like totally. You know, so it's like, yeah. It's for so the, the, the sexual person, Giving it's like you know, buy, just buy a couple candles for your energetic and, you know, find, find some station Sensual. and, uh, and then, you know, don't come in with your angry vibes. <laughs> No, do not. And then you'll get yeah. to go buck wild and have exactly what, yeah. Like, totally. The yeah, yeah, yeah. The setting, the context, the emotional energy. Yeah, the energetic blueprint person is going to really be picking up on yeah. that. And then the last one is the sensual blueprint, oh, which yeah. is really turned on by touch, close contact, kind of they love dance, massage, or not necessarily dance, but dance is a form of close contact of bodies. Um, they love this, like a beautiful sunset and the environment in which the sexual act is taking place is really important. So that really helps calm their nervous system. So something that's really helpful is energetics need to feel safe to be turned on and sensuals need to be relaxed to be turned on. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there's probably a little bit of safety involved in, I don't know, I have a hard time relaxing if I don't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah when, so it's all super connected. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think you can so, get the, you can do like a little quiz online to find out your own yes. 
blueprint. I think you just probably Google erotic blueprint and it probably comes up. Yes. Um, erotic blueprint quiz. And you can take the quiz online. And then if you work with me as your coach for erotic blueprints, I work with um, mostly couples, but also individuals. We do the erotic blueprint body quiz. And that quiz is even more accurate because the quiz you take online is with your mind right. and the body quiz, you we, we do it with your body. And so um, it's a really beautiful way to have your partner really understand your turn on even more. Oh. And um, that's a really fun thing. That's a... And I also teach that at my erotic blueprint workshops. As well. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Which, yeah, you can look on my my, my, I actually have a different website for my erotic blueprint work, which is called boldandvivid.com. Um, and so I, I announce those workshops there. Mm. So, so turning back to the, um, the attachment styles. So kind of one mm-hmm. question that I'm kind of, a, is, uh, yeah. I've, it's like I, I shared that the disorganized or can be both anxious and also avoidant depending on I don't know, a lot of things. I've made great strides through lots of coaching, lots of therapy, lots of introspection, meditation, qigong, all plant medicines, yeah. all sorts of things that I talk about yeah. in yeah. my my engineered to love book that I wrote that came out last this was it only in May? Nice. In nine months. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Um, and so like I'm like, I I like to put it that like I'm at I'm the most secure I've ever been. Uh yep. Yet I'm curious, I'm curious. Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, I, I was just kind of wondering this today. I'm like, is, are some of the behavior, are there some behaviors? Cause again, like you said, there's sort of like the opposites. And sometimes it's really hard to tell like the distinctions is like, are some of the things that I'm doing, are they like, are they, am I really operating in a secure way or is it my disorganized? And there's still like a little bit of, um, yeah. Cause I'll like probably text messaging, What's an example? text messaging uh-huh. is probably where uh-huh. like, it's like when I text message somebody, um, uh-huh. I, I'll still put like a good amount of effort into like crafting it in a way that's like, I want to get my message across and I want it to land well and all of this. And then it's like, and there's still right. a little bit of that, like, but I'm able to usually like, okay, just let it go. There could be, there could be a million reasons why they don't. Um, yeah. and then, you know, then sometimes it's like, I get something, you know, get a message or whatever. And like, um, I'll read it. And then with like the read receipts, sometimes I'm like, I'll try to get a preview. It's like, I don't want them to know that I saw it. Um, uh, cause maybe I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't even want to, I don't even want to deal with it. And it could just be something of like very mundane and, um, yeah. So that right there, <laughs> wait, 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 let's, can we hold oh, it on yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. So you don't want them. So that is, to me, that's controlling behavior. Mm. So you don't want them to see that you've seen it or wait, wait, there's, it's like, there's a lot to unpack. So you don't want them to see that you've seen it because then you would feel bad that you're not responding right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, but I've been, I've okay. Been so, right. to... so to me that go ahead. Yeah. To me, there's like a lot of control in mm. there instead of secure communication, Yeah, which would be like, you could read it. And to me, the secure communication would just be like, if you really couldn't, um, you know, get back to them or didn't want to, you could, A, just wait until, you know, but to me, like, yeah, I try to, I do think secure communication is responding with, you know, I think most people prefer that you respond within 24 hours to a text message. Mm -hmm. 
Like if, if we pooled people, I think that would be people's desire, right? Cause we all want responsive communication. Yeah. And so, um, but some people, yeah, it's like their wait time would be like two out, like some people's attachment system. They're like, no, like I want someone to respond within two hours, yeah. but I would say like in general, in terms of friendships and everything anyways. And so you could wait to like, say someone texts you in the morning, you text them in the evening. Right. And that would be within the 24 hours. In my opinion, that's like very secure. You're like responding that same day. Or if you, but if you couldn't respond, you could just say, Hey, like got your message. We'll respond in a couple of days. I'm like super swamped with work or whatever. Right. And so that's secure communication. And that's letting them know that you heard them, but you're not actually able to respond right now. Mm. So that's really secure behavior, in my opinion. And it's interesting all the ways that we control, I think, with, with codependency, which we all have, and which is more from the anxious attachment. We do anxious attachment tends to do some manipulative controlling things. Mm because they want to they want the connection to be feel good to the other person. Right. They want the connection to feel like the other person likes them and da 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 da, right? And so then I think the secure behavior is coming from like this internal sense of groundedness inside of like this is my this is what I'm available for. This is what I'm this is my truth. This is you know I'm just responding and it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's just something to kind of like feel into, like, is this part of me wanting to control the connection in some way, Mm -hmm. or is this part of me wanting to just authentically express? Yeah. Or like where that, to me, that would be the choice point is like, what's my coming inside and being like, what's my authentic expression here that is going to also be able to connect with where they're at and listen and respond because emotional responsiveness responsiveness in general to me is secure behavior right Mm -hmm. which is why I did a whole TEDx talk about emotional responsiveness because Mm -hmm. I was actually at that point that I did that TEDx I was in a relationship with someone that wasn't emotionally responsive and so I was learning this deep lesson around how powerful and important it is to have that emotional responsiveness in relationship and so yeah yeah it's all it's all good yeah and so i think kind of what i maybe i'm picking up a little bit on is um yeah it's like i'm i'm in that transition because there's like there is times where it's like i am like boom i'm in my zone of like i'm good and whatever and i can't but then other times it's like i have to you know there's the there's the old feelings, you know, come fold feelings, old responses. And it's like, oh, I have to work with that. And it's work. It's like, it's effort. And so sometimes there's just a little yes. bit of like, well, now I have to, yeah, I have to consciously like take put some, moment. take a moment, do that. Yeah. And that's work. And so sometimes it's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. And what I found that's interesting, I think in some ways is that, um, uh, secure people don't give a shit about any of this. Like they, it doesn't bother them one way or right. the other. And so it's right. Totally. So it's sort of like I'm, I, exactly. I'd say like my good friends and other people that um, they're now secure, and so it's like I get that model, and and it really filters yeah. out the people that have more of an issue. Well, you know, exactly. Um, 
So even yeah. though it's like, and the other yeah. thing to bring into the conversation, cause I love, I mean, for me, it's like polarity attachment and erotic blueprints are kind of my base in terms of romantic relationship. And the other thing in terms of like, I love what you said around, like, if you're texting with someone that you're dating, like you might take a moment and like craft it because for women, women love a man who can lead, right? The leadership piece is so sexy and we don't even have to, I love how my friend talks about, like, we don't even need to say the words masculine and feminine. We can just say leadership, right? Like a man leading in dating and relationship. It doesn't end when you're in a relationship, by the way. (laughs) Um, That's super important, I think. Um, Is for most women such a turn on. Why? Because it allows us to relax into our bodies more. It allows us to surrender more. It allows us to feel safer. And so sometimes that might take a minute to craft, right? If you're more like, oh, I need to think about which which places to lead her to. Yeah where, which, you know, date ideas, like, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a real piece, no matter how secure you are in like actually crafting a message that has some kind of leadership to it, that's going to really call her into um, her feeling safe and her feeling like you've got something handled. And that us, us seeing that in you is like, uh, like just, it's literally, I feel like biological, like our whole nervous system just feels so good with that leadership and planning qualities. Yeah, it's, it's been, I know I've been amazed, like in the past year, there's been definitely several women that I've, I've dated that they were just like, it was so nice that you like picked a place to meet up and go. And I just, I just had to show up like, I, and I'm just like, really? Like, what is, so it's like, right. You, That's you, our society. I, yes. like, yeah. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm remembering back to before I like kind of started studying, like, like dating where it was just like, what do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to get together? Where would you yes. like to go? When are you? And whereas now I'm just like, right. Hey, let's get together Tuesday, 7 PM. Let's meet in this part of the city. Then yeah. it's either it's, it's, yes, that works, or no, it doesn't, yeah, or oh, well, this this these days work instead. It's like it gets things going, yeah. um, but it shows like totally. leadership and yeah, yeah, it's very very sexy and it's right. It's like kind of this old school traditional kind of fifties thing that like women still really really want to feel. Yeah. And it makes me sad that that has been lost in our, in our, you know, I'm a total, by the way, I'm a total feminist. I grew up with a total feminist mom. um, And I still, and I'm incredibly powerful in the world. And I still love when a man is leading. Right. And so you can have, it's not, it's, you know, I am powerful in my feminine. And I think a lot of women before, for me, before doing work around cultivating my feminine qualities of receptivity and surrender and relaxation and receiving and like allowing and just being right to me, those are all feminine qualities. And we could call, we don't even need to use the word feminine. We could just call them something else, whatever. But if you before cultivating those qualities and understanding and diving deeper, I didn't realize that that's 
just as powerful, right? It's not not powerful. Oh, like, it's incredibly powerful. Energy, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just as powerful. It's just a totally different energy. And so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. And the thing is, is like all of us can actually. I'm like, I want to hear you talk about how powerful it is. Let's hear. Well, all of, <laughs> all of us actually have these like powers, and it's really more about like uh, use it like you were talking about with the erotic blueprints, where it's like, oh, I want to like explore all of the blueprints. It's like we should be able to explore like you know masculine and masculine feminine. and feminine, yeah. feminine, which could also be. I went to one workshop where the 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 terms used were like uh presence and surrender and then what was the other one mm, Pen penetration totally. and i can't remember the other term but yeah yeah um, yeah totally. yeah and it's like we all or yin yang is a great way it's like yin yang that's so clear like yin is like this this receptivity and this is in all of nature we have it's it's not this concept that someone created. This is literally happening all oh, throughout yeah. nature that yeah. we have and all, like um, this polarity stru structure structure or flow in our body. Like yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> and flow is yeah, amazing because it's, it's like that's creativity, that's life, that's movement, that's mm -hmm. creation. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah, and it's so sexy and hot. Like without polarity, that flatness is just so. For me, I, I find it just really um, kind of boring in romance because oh, yeah. there's something about the polarity that just creates a lot of turn on in my system. And, and you know, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think for most humans, that's the case that just polarity, whether it's whatever way it is, no matter your gender, it's not gender specific. Mm -hmm. It's just creates so much turn on and chemistry and that's what people are wanting to feel in relationship they're wanting to feel that's like the spark that everyone is dying for yeah and like you said yeah and it's the polarity it doesn't matter who's doing which pole really and sometimes exactly. that can be fun especially if you're playing with your king yeah. side of like it's like exactly all right baby i want you want i want you to massage me down and i'm just gonna feel on the flow and go with it yeah and, uh, totally and then, so then switch and it then, up and, so yeah exactly and like if you think about like even in groups there's always a leader like groups can hardly ever be functional without a leader and so there's something so powerful about the this this thing that's just so natural but because of you know feminism we've all and not again, not to dis feminism at all, but be, because of feminism, women have become, you know, we can be, be very independent. We can be so defended. We can be so hard in our bodies. Yeah. Also, because of sexual harassment, we can become very hardened in our hearts and our bodies. And we're just trying to protect ourselves and we're just trying to be safe in this yeah. world. Like I went to a grocery store the other night before this party. And I was wearing this like sequin outfit and it was like, I had all this energy from all this unwanted energy from men. And I was like, oh, remind me to never wear this outfit again at a grocery store. Like mm. I'm constantly having to shut down my body and not feel safe because of the unwanted attention. Yeah. And so, 
um, there's a lot of that that happens. And so then women can learn to just be more shut down and not open in our bodies. But unfortunately, that creates this almost more kind of masculine protection energy. And um, that's why cultivating feminine energy is so powerful. And something that I really teach in my Rewire for Love program is, you know, how to be both discerning with men or whoever you're attracted to and also be open. It's like a really, really potent combination that is uh, not easy to embody. Yeah, it really is that discernment that being open, but also skillful of like, where is that? Where are you going to point that openness? Um, and don't yes. shut it, don't Ooh, shut down. That. Just don't point it at uh, certain types of people. Because you can always just yeah. point it at yourself. You can always like flow and op- be mm. open with yourself. And uh, I love that. Yeah. And it's like being open, but not necessarily allowing someone all the way in. Because I think for for empaths and HSPs, like for me, I have I'm so that open that people? like yeah, highly sensitive people. It's like if you're really open and you're in a feminine body, you can allow someone in energetically even mm-hmm. very quickly, and that happens a lot with anxious attachment where women you know, have one date and they get, and they make out or something and they get super attached. And then the guy doesn't call back or whatever. And they're like devastated. And then they don't want to keep dating and they, they lose their dating resilience because they get so, so jaded by that kind of thing. And so, you know, what I teach is how to, what I teach, but also support people in, because having a support person, a coach is so powerful to really oh, yeah. like keep holding that candle for you and working through whatever comes up in these experiences. But um, this, how much do you let someone in, I think is really also like being open-hearted and feeling your feelings and your sensations and expressing your vulnerabilities, but also like having that aperture be at a healthy healthy, healthy amount so that you can, um, stay regulated through the dating process. Yeah. I love, I love that. Cause I think it really is the more we sort of take responsibility of like, well, what can I do to modulate my experience yes, instead of exactly. what it seems like our society's decided is, well, let's just change the environments. Let's make it like a nerf world. So there's no sharp edges and that right. no one ever has to worry because it's all going to be safe. You can't, you no one can get hurt. Yet that means that if there's no sharp edges, there's no way of getting penetrated. And uh, <laughs> like, that's half the fun, like is being penetrated by the world, whether it's, <laughs> whether, right, it's totally. by, whether it's by somebody's, you know, physical <laughs> appendage or just by like a beautiful sunset or like, you know, some beautiful totally. music or whatever. So it's like, oh my gosh, exactly. what was that? Um, but if everything's bland. Yeah, and it's literally and impossible down. in dating to take out the risks. There are risks, like the whole game is, okay, we're here to fall in love. But if you want to have like zero risks, you're not going to fall in love, No, yeah. right? And so you have to have the risks in order to fall in love. So then how do we do that in a safe and secure way? And so that's really really, um, you know, a big thing that I teach people because a lot of the clients that come to me have had like decades or 10 years or five years or 20 years of continually choosing the wrong person who is not actually safe for them. And then 
it feels like this pattern is never going to change. Yeah. And so being yeah. able to learn how to discern well, but also stay in the game. Because if you leave the dating game, you're, it's going to be really hard to meet someone in this world where most people are working online and not going out and are not like going as much to new events to meet people. And so it's it's harder to just like not to just do nothing these days than when we and meet your person. Um Whereas if you were living, we were living in tribes and we were seeing each other every day at like the sewing place and the grocery store and the, you know, same chiropractor that we all went to, like it was, it's a lot easier to meet someone naturally before than it is now. Yeah. It takes, it just takes effort. Yes, yeah, exactly. Online dating, offline dating. And exactly it's, it's worth it because yeah. then you get to, you exactly. get to have the experience as opposed to not. And yeah, it's easier yeah. when you start learning some yeah, tools so and getting some feedback and getting these perspectives. Because yeah. yeah, it's like usually we just keep doing what we've always done and we keep getting what we got. Um, and then yes. we're just like, well, why isn't it working? It's like, well, actually it is working. Like you want security, you've got it. It's like, there's a security and a safety in knowing that like, oh, if I'm with this type of person, I'm going to have this type of experience as shitty as it is. It's like, are, we humans right. are wired to like just want something knowable because it's like well if it's knowable then that means i'm probably not gonna die like uh, totally yeah. that's so right and so the unavailability pattern which i'm writing an entire book on i've already written the book it's just getting it published is the next piece but um but that unavailability exactly you're so used to and this was me a hundred percent like so used to the unavailability that it's familiar and comfortable, even though at the same time, it it's very yeah. uncomfortable and painful. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but yeah, that's somehow safe for the nervous system because it's familiar and the unsafe thing might be an available person and the unsafe available person might be unsafe because you did have a traumatic experience with an, un with an available person. For example, for me, I was in a six-year relationship that was the most secure, safest relationship, but it ended with him cheating on mm -hmm. me. So, so in my mind, the available person ended up to be the most unsafe person. So then my mind got tracked with availability equals unsafety. Yeah. So we're all just, our, our love patterns can be really complex and unconscious. Yeah. And that's why every individual I found has such a different love map that we have to kind of untangle and unravel. And then it's like their system is able to open to a healthy person yeah. again or for the first time. Yeah. And they can write, they can write their own map in a way of that works for them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Totally. Well, I any any last words before we we've been going for a while? It's been fantastic. Any anything before Yay. we wrap up, uh, Maya? Um, I, yeah, I would love to just offer if anyone is interested in working together, um, in my rewire for love program, my women's coaching program or one-on-one -on -one with me. I also do my rewire for love program in a one-on-one -on -one context as well for men and women. Um, you can go to empowerlove.us forward slash apply to book your free love breakthrough session. And on that call, 
Um, we're going to find out like where you are now in your love life. You're going to find out your blockages and what it would look like to work together in the program or one-on-one and really how I can really help you shift these patterns. And so that's a really, if you're curious about working together, I definitely encourage you to book that call. And also if you're interested in working with me as a couple in the erotic blueprint or the emotional attachment work, definitely um, you can just uh, email me at info at empowerlove.us to book a call with me around that. And yeah, just encourage everyone to go down these journeys and really explore for yourself what, um, what feels exciting and interesting and like whatever felt like an impulse as I was talking, like whatever is, you know, yeah, your, your body and your mind and your heart and your spirit are drawn to, to, to really go deeper because we did cover a lot of different topics. So I encourage everyone to go deeper into anything that felt juicy. We definitely did and appreciate it. And yeah, if you're interested, reach out to, to Maya, the links and stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, or you can also contact me on social media. I'm Justin Wink, PhD on LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, what are the other ones? Instagram, Facebook, or, and you can also email me podcast at justinwink.com. So I want to thank Maya once again so much for being here. Appreciate it so much. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, do remember to uh, like, follow, subscribe. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time. And thank you and good day. Good day.